0: You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. I love sunsets. At the risk of sounding all like emotional and creative, I I love sunsets. I I grew up in uh, in a place on the south coast of New South Wales called Jervis Bay, and my backyard was a river, and at the end of my street was a beach and The sun would rise over the river and it would set on the beach. And as often as I could, I would either get up early to watch the sun rise or I would go down the beach at the end of the day and watch the sun set. And during my childhood experience that had some challenges attached to it, I found God would speak to me through sunrises and sunsets. That every day when the sun rises, it's the birthing of a brand new day. And His Bible, His Bible, the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. I'm not doing life alone today, but His mercies are new every morning, that there is a fresh deposit of God every single morning. And then with the setting of the sun, I I began to feel like God would say, you know, at the end of the day, I can close some things in your life. I can put to bed some challenges. I can shut down some voices. And, And I love sunsets so much so that when I was going to propose to my wife, Amanda, who is the most amazing lady on planet Earth up at North. If you're next to her, give her a little kiss on the cheek, if you're a female. And uh, uh, when, I, when I was planning my engagement, how I was going to propose to Amanda, I booked this restaurant in the Blue Mountains of Sydney, Australia. And this restaurant would look down the valley of the Blue Mountains and you could watch the sun set at the end of the valley. So we, we had been dating for six months, but we had known each other for almost two years. And uh, I don't know about you, but if you remember, if you're married here, if you remember when you planned your engagement, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure on that moment. Like just to get it just right. And so I booked this restaurant and we, we, we kind of planned the whole day. And as we're driving out to the Blue Mountains, the greatest, thickest fog you have ever seen descended on the blue mountains and I couldn't see two feet in front of my face. I'm sitting at this beautiful restaurant with a full glass window and all I could see was white. Couldn't see, yeah, funny for you. Couldn't see anything. Uh, So, but this, uh, we just moved into a new place maybe two years ago and it has the most amazing sunsets. I think we've got a picture of one of the sunsets of our house. This is a sunset from our back porch that Amanda took the photo of. And I love sunsets you know the the astronauts on the international space station see 16 sunrises and sunsets a day 16 a day that's because they're over 400 kilometers above the earth and they're circling the earth at 27,000 kilometers a minute oh, sorry an hour that's real fast 27,000 kilometers an hour That means that every 45 minutes they circumnavigate the globe. They get 16 sunsets and sunrises a day. And I began to think about what if at 16 times a day we were reminded that His mercies are new every single morning. What if 16 times a day we were reminded that there's some stuff in our life that God can put closure on, that it doesn't have to have the final voice, but the sun can set on some grief, on some challenge, on some issues. What if 16 times a day we got high enough and elevated enough to be reminded that your God is bigger and your God is with you? What if the Holy Spirit could take us higher? And I believe that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to take us higher above circumstance. You know, the higher you are, the better perspective you have. Mount Eden, right next door to us, if uh, you're in north, south or uh, online, we're right next door to Mount Eden. That's 196 metres above sea level. That means we get one sunrise and one set of sunset a day. How we know the Holy Spirit can take you higher to get a better perspective? Here's a thought for you. You ever... You ever, you ever Uh, heard the phrase that hindsight is a beautiful thing? Do you know that God lives in constant hindsight? because He's outside of time. He's not caught up in your challenge and your here and now. He is in your future waiting for you to catch up. Imagine if the Holy Spirit could lift us high enough to give us the perspective of hindsight. What difference would that make in our decisions day to day if we could be lifted and elevated above the mundane, above the challenge and say, there is a future that God has for you. I both believe in and have a growing need of the Holy Spirit. I both believe in and have a growing need of the Holy Spirit. I love the Apostles' Creed. I love the Apostles' Creed was put together a few hundred years after Jesus gave his life. And it was taken from what the 12 apostles said. Let me read you the Apostles' Creed if you've never heard it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. Church, this is the crux of our our faith. Then on the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which means the one true church. I believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and of life everlasting. Is there anyone in church who believes in the Holy Spirit, who believes in the power of who He is? You know what? When I say I believe in the Holy Spirit, it's far more than rhetoric. It's far more than quoting the Apostles' Creed. It's far more than a statement of faith. It's a statement of, of personal experience. I'm not saying I believe in the Holy Spirit because I read a book. I'm not saying I believe in the Holy Spirit because I went to Bible college Bible college and got the theology and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit like I believe in oxygen. I don't believe in oxygen because I can see it. I believe in oxygen because I breathe it and it keeps me alive. I believe in the Holy Spirit like a flag believes in the wind. I don't see where it's coming or where it's going, but I see the effects that it has on that flag. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I've experienced the Holy Spirit of God flow into my life and change who I am. I'm a different man than I was 15 years ago 10 years ago even 5 years ago because of the holy spirit i believe in the holy spirit as someone who's committed his life to building the church because i've seen him take the promise of jesus of i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not, will not and cannot prevail against her. And I've watched the Holy Spirit bring that into reality. I believe in the Holy Spirit because I've watched people come in with a dullness in their eyes and a disconnection from the God who created them. And then the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to them and hope is birth because they realise that the God who created them is not done with them, but loves them and is for them. And I'm believing today in every one of our auditoriums and online that that's same thing will happen, that people will have a revelation of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus can forgive your past. I believe in the Holy Spirit. He is a foundation of who we are. I believe in the Holy Spirit as a father and as a husband. Because these last 20 years of trying to build my family, trying to build my kids, my kids are in a place that only the Holy Spirit could get them to, sometimes in spite of me. Because of the Holy Spirit working through me. You know, it's been said that we've got a difficult time understanding the Holy Spirit because we're not holy and we're not spirit, but besides that, we're good. But you know, there's no one better to listen to about the Holy Spirit than Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they go way back, way back, like all the way through to eternity back. They, 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 Jesus. Gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14 through John chapter 17, it's a message that Jesus gave his disciples, not to a large crowd, not to a whole bunch of people, but he got his disciples together for what we know as the Last Supper. You know why they called it the Last Supper? Because it was the Last Supper. <laughs> <laughs> you know why they called it the Sermon on the Mount? because it was a sermon that he gave on the mount, real creative. Uh, But Jesus in John 14 through 17 gave the last supper and he was speaking to his disciples. And I want to paint you a picture before we pull some thoughts out of this uh, passage of Scripture. These 12 guys had given their life to serve Jesus. They'd walked away from their careers. They'd given up all aspirations. And they said, Jesus, I will follow you and do what you want me to do for the rest of my life. They just experienced three years of watching the Son of God walk the earth and perform miracles and bring life and hope wherever he went. They were a part of the greatest man ever to walk the face of the earth's life. And they observed him and they'd signed up for a lifetime of journeying with him. And then they find themselves in this little room. And the guy they'd given everything up for says, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm about to die. I'm, I'm gonna go and and live the fulfillment of what I came to do. And these guys were freaking out. They're... they're The one they gave their life for was gone. Within 24 hours of this moment, he'd be on the cross. He'd be arrested in the garden and he would have died. And these guys are thinking, what are we going to do? But Jesus said, it's okay, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. But in the end, it's going to be all good. Well, thanks so much for your comfort. In the end, it's going to be good. But what am I going to do next week and next month and next year? Because there's still a lot that I've got. Jesus said, there's still a lot I've got for you to do. But in the end, it's going to be all good. So these guys are freaking out. This message that Jesus gave was like a walking message. At one point, he uh, walked out of the upper room and was walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, and you can just picture it. John 16 talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can just picture Jesus walking past a, vine and picking off a branch and saying I'm the vine it was an illustrated message to drive something home so really what Jesus was doing here was giving his last message to his disciples really his marching orders that hey this this is how I want you to live between the time I die and the time I come back this is how I want you to live this is what I am giving you it's 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 everything Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit was largely in these three chapters of scripture I want to encourage you this week, go and read these three chapters of Scripture. But but here's what Jesus said in John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot see, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but yet you know him. For he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. You ever seen someone really embrace the power of the Holy Spirit? I won't leave you of orphans, I will come to you. When someone embraces the power of the Holy Spirit, they almost turn into a different person. Not, not in a weird way and don't walk out, hear the end of the message before you walk out. Not in a, but really, who God has created them to be rises to the forefront. When I was a youth pastor in Virginia Beach, there was this lady who had twins and she was an extremely successful business lady, had boats and jets and houses, but the twins found themselves absolute drug addicts. And this lady was about five foot nothing, most quiet reserved lady you ever come across. But when she found out that her boy's had been messed up in the wrong circle and gained an addiction to methamphetamines. I have never seen anyone get so aggressive about fighting for the life of her kids and praying and believing God for a breakthrough. And I gotta tell you, I knew this lady for eight years. This was not in her nature, but the Holy Spirit spoke to her about the fact that Jesus wants freedom for her kids and she got a hold of that and through the power of the Holy Spirit began to fight and battle in the spiritual realm for freedom. Freedom for her kids. Why does that happen? Because he'll send someone. You're not on your own. He'll send a helper for you. I love the story of Samuel anointing Saul. If, if you're new to church, there was a king in the Old Testament named Saul. It didn't end well, but it began well. And uh, when Samuel the prophet came to anoint Saul in 1 Samuel 10 verse six, it says this, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. And you will prophesy with them. And he turned into another man. You ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, man, I wish I wasn't like that man I wish my instant response was not that I wish I didn't struggle with that I wish I had insight into that I wish I could communicate better on that I got good news for you the holy spirit wants to come upon you and turn you into another man or another woman look look at verse 9 it says so it was when samuel turned his back to go so when saul had turned his back to go from samuel that god gave him another heart god wants to change you into another man or woman And God can give you another heart. God, break my heart for the things that break yours. God, help me to look at my family the way you see my family. God, help me to approach this business, right? God, when someone has hurt me or betrayed me, help me to walk into that relationship and deal with it with a heart that brings reconciliation, not, a, not one that is, that is aggravating. God can change your heart and God can change your mind and God can turn you into what He wants you to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. Never underestimate the dynamic and the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 80 verse 17 says this, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. The right hand of God is always a position of authority and strength in Scripture. Upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Do you know why God wants to give us the Holy Spirit? To make us strong for the very thing he created us to do. You know one of the, the clearest pictures and the starkest realities of this that we all see on a week-to-week basis is Pastor Paul and Marie. If you listen to their story for more than five weeks, Pastor Paul was a, child who grew up in a family of eight and he would say was riddled with insecurity, didn't believe in who he was, had doubts on his abilities, always trying to be someone else and mimic someone else and please people and do what people wanted him to do. But over the process of time you've seen him today and he is anything but full of insecurities. He is sure of what God has called him to do and thank God for that because we all benefit from him being sure we're in this building because he is sure of what God asked him to do 20 years ago we wouldn't have been in here Pastor Marie grew up in brokenness and abuse relationships that would destroy her soul not build her soul and you get her up here now talking about her heart for revival and to see a move of God sweep through our nation. There is not a broken, timid lady standing up here. There is a lady who has got something from the Holy Spirit for our church and for our nation. And they would both tell you that that transformation didn't happen by a self-help program, didn't happen by some, anything. Else. it happened by a continual obedience to what the Holy Spirit has asked them to do because the Holy Spirit wants to change you into the person and wants to change me into the person that He needs me to be to move into all that He's called me to be. Your family needs you submitted to the Holy Spirit. Your wife needs you submitted to the Holy Spirit. Your boss, your friends, you as an individual need to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. And not just through the power of the Holy Spirit, but the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an it. He's a he. He has a personality. He has feelings. The Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He, he has something to say to you. He is a person. 2 Corinthians 12 says this, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient to you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my affirmities that the power Of Christ may rest upon me. How does the power of Christ rest upon you now? Through the Holy Spirit. Therefore I take pleasure in my affirmities and reproaches and needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know that word strong, there's two words for the word strong in the New Testament: dunamis, which is explosive power. And then there is donados, which is imparted power. That word strong there is imparted power. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? He imparts power. Other words for that are sustained. The Holy Spirit sustains. Strengthened, resolute, bold, alert, able, strong in soul. You know what this generation needs is some soul strength. Come on, to be able to push through some challenges, to not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and every new thought. We need some strength in our soul to be resolute with what God's called us to do and who God's called us to be, to stay the path of God. You are God in a world that is changing, where there is nothing stable. God brings soul strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. the Bible teaches that everything Jesus did in his 33 years of ministry, every miracle, every discussion that turned into a life change, every message that he preached, everything was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to bring to you four thoughts of what Jesus did and how the Holy Spirit interacted with Jesus over his journey. Number one, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Luke 3, 21 through 22 says this, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my son in which I am well pleased. You ever notice that although God is omnipresent, he can often be here? Come on, omnipresent means He is everywhere. God is in our north campus. God is in our south campus. God is in our chapel. God is where every person online who is tuning in is watching. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But have you ever noticed God can also turn up? You've been in worship and you're like, God is here. When I mean, you ever had a quiet time and you're wrestling with something and God is there. When I was 17 years old, I went to a youth camp called Armed and Dangerous. That shows you how old I am. We would never call it a youth camp Armed and Dangerous anymore. <laughs> Millennials, you needed to rename that thing because it is old. I remember at Armed and Dangerous, I was at 17 years old and like a lot of teenagers, I'd made about seven decisions for Jesus at that point. Come on, every, every 12 months or so, you're on another altar call giving your life to Jesus again. And, and then you'd kind of be good for a couple of weeks, and you'd float away, and I'd be there again. Come on. I remember at Armed and Dangerous one night, I'm like, this is it, God, this is it. And I felt like God say to me, you can't do it on your own. So that night I made a decision for Christ, and at the end of the meeting they said, hey, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want a moment with God, and come down the front, we're going to pray for you. And today after our message, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, in every one of our campuses, we've got a prayer team down the front, we'll pray for you. Yeah. But I remember at 17, I went down the front and someone prayed for me to have a moment with the Holy Spirit. And I felt something in my soul, a. In filling of the power of God, I walked out looking the same. I walked out sounding the same. But can I tell you from that moment to this day, I have never had to make another decision to give my life to Christ because I had a moment with God that took it from theory to reality. And Jesus said that he had a moment with the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing that in that moment, God said, you are my son. I don't think Jesus ever questioned it from that moment on in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit came upon him, number one. Number two, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned to Judea and was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Do you know that moment at that youth camp changed me forever forever. I have never questioned whether the Holy Spirit is with me because of that moment and moments like that. You know, the Bible is full of evidence that the Holy Spirit is not just a whoosh, he, He's God. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, people had the Holy Spirit come upon them and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Samson did a mighty act because the Holy Spirit came upon him. Noah built an ark because of a moment with the Holy Spirit. David beat Goliath because of the Holy Spirit. The the 120 people in the upper room went out and birthed the early church because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you to do what God has called you to do and to go out and move the kingdom forward. Jesus was not only had a moment with the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then thirdly, he was led by the Holy Spirit. Do you know whatever venue you're in right now, whether you're at North, the reason we have north and the reason we have plan B is because the Holy Spirit led us to purchase those. South, we were in the middle of building this property and nothing else was on the radar and God bought the building you're sitting in and led us to purchase that building through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Century, you look around this place, this is nothing but a leading of the Holy Spirit. If you want your life to have the evidence of God all over it, be led by the Spirit because He wants to build your life to the plans that He has. And then fourthly, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Luke 4 verse 14 says this, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of Him went throughout all the surrounding region and He taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. And he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has set me apart to preach the gospel to the poor, to send me to the, he he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty of the captives and recovery of of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year. Of the Lord. Church, I want to know the person of the Holy Spirit because I want the marriage that God wants me to have. I want the friendships God wants me to have, and I want my life to bear the fruit that God wants me to have. And I can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's my whole message in one sentence Proximity with the Holy Spirit comes through both invitation and engagement. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, what's your thoughts on this? Holy Spirit, what? Uh, Hear me, don't get all freaky about it. Don't get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to wear? Because you hear a voice from heaven, I'm your father, not your mother, wear what you want. (laughs) But Holy Spirit, lead me into the future that God has for me. Holy Spirit, I need your guidance, I need your help. I need you comfort. I'm gonna invite four friends to come and join me on stage while I read you this scripture. John 16, verse one through seven. I've told you these things so that you will not stumble or be caught off guard or fall away. They will put you out of the synagogues and they'll make you outcasts. At a t- and a time is coming when whoever kills you, look at me, not them, I'm way better looking. Uh, I'm telling myself that anyway. And a time is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering a service to God and they will do these things because you have not known the Father or me. I've told you these things now so that when that, time's come, when that time comes, you will remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of, it, none of you asks, where are you going? But I have said these things to you now and sorrow has filled your hearts. It has taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. Do you know that it's God's will that you are in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Not every Sunday morning I have a moment where I go, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? But my Monday through Sunday, I'm in close fellowship with Him. But how many know life deals as cards that sometimes we never asked for? Like sometimes we face some stuff. My friend, Here, he's got a card that life never, he never asked for and it's a card of grief. You know, the promise of the Holy Spirit is that when the card of grief comes, he'll trumpet with comfort. Because he's close. He's in proximity. He's there. He's the comforter. What happens when the card of, these two are married. Is that your challenge? (laughs) A little bit. All right, cool. What, what What happens when challenge comes? You dealt the card of challenge. The, the Bible says that the counselor will come and trump the card of challenge. challenge in your business, challenging your marriage, challenging your relationships, challenge the counselor. Why? Because he is in proximity. I don't have to look out. I don't have to look to Dr. Phil or Oprah, Instagram, other people's lives, social media. I can look to the Holy Spirit who trumps challenge with counsel. What about when tragedy happens? Well, the Bible says that He is our strengthener. How many people fall to pieces because they rely on themselves? I got to get through this challenge. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit wants to strengthen you. And then everyday life, I mean, I you know life happens. Like stuff happens. I've got work and kids and a wife who never causes challenge or tragedy. i, I got, come on, I've I got teenage girls who, I wasn't, I didn't get a manual when they were born. I wish I did, but I didn't. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a standby. How many times have we left the Holy Spirit just standing by? He's like a reserve on the bench that we never sub in. We're out there just plugging away, fighting away, battered and bruised. And Jesus is up in heaven saying, I sent you the Holy Spirit to be your standby. If you would just open your eyes, He's right there to bring you comfort and counsel and strength. And He's close. But here's what happens. We need to invite and engage. And one of the foundations of our faith is the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.